night train to Georgia. <sighs> Welcome. What time you got over here, honey? 12.30. Can't hear you. 12.30. 12.30. On the dot? 12.30 in the a.m. We sleepy. You sleepy. But I think this is needed in the format that we're doing it because it's just raw thoughts. No rehearsal, no conversation, no pre-talking, none of that. Um, Today's episode, for starters, um, we're going to talk about the chili thing. Um, it's been it, it's been brewing for the last couple of weeks now, and people have been interested in it. And I wanted my wife to be on here because she's an, a strong advocate for noodles and chili. For so, one, it doesn't matter. I can eat either one. Don't try to clean. But it don't up sit now. there and say that noodles and chili is not chili. That ain't that ain't important right now. We'll get to that part later. Okay, we'll get to that part later. Don't try to change it up now. You're a hater. Um, some very interesting things happened this week. And I guess, I don't know if it's the change of the weather. You know what I'm saying? It's starting to get dark earlier. It's nice and cool in the mornings. Nice and cozy. You don't want to get out of bed. But along with that, and um, shout out to Tone. Um, he wants to jump on the podcast. He made a post the other day and, um, he was talking about, you know, some of the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. Some days you don't feel like, you know, taking on all the challenges and stuff, but the stuff people don't see. Right. But in, in that line of business, there's, there's no days off. And then reading his post, somebody was like, you know, the seasons are changing. And along with those changes, sometimes comes that that mental roadblock and just depression or, you know, drowsy days because you look outside, it's gloomy, it's cool and cold, and I can't speak for others, but when the weather changes, man, my body gets aching. It might be why my back and my hips was hurting last week, now that I think about it, because that feeling and all that done went away, it don't feel like it did, so maybe it's... As the signs of, of the weather changing, I'm turning into an animal. I don't know what. You know when they say you can sense that the weather's changing or something. Birds flying south or something. Maybe I should have went south for the winter. Um. Anyways, but all jokes aside, um, with the weather changing, my mind has been all over the place. It's been a lot of dark days and. Most of y'all know that I work from home. So, you know, my wife's a teacher. Kids are in school every day. So a lot of times I'm confined to these walls and it's just me and my inner thoughts. I watch a lot of, you know, Skip Bayless and stuff like that. But here of late, here of late, I really hadn't been touching on topics that I care about. So I'm not focused on it. So, like I said, I just kind of drowned in some of my thoughts or whatever. And some interesting, you know, things occurred this week, you know, not to keep rambling or whatever. But it's like, 
for one, basketball season is right around the corner. And, you know, COVID has, you know, thrown a monkey wrench in a lot of it. But for the elementary school kids, they're going to try to have a season. They've shortened the, the games or whatnot, but at least they're going to make the effort to have a season. And I help volunteer to coach at the school where my wife teaches at. So with these kids, that's third through fifth grade. And um, like I said, you know, basketball tryouts was week before last. So now we're getting into official practices and things of that nature. So with this group of kids that we have this year, they are fresh. And when I mean fresh, I mean out of all the kids that came to try out, I want to say what? three of them, two, three, actually know a little bit about basketball. You know, they, uh, some of the basics, how to do a layup, dribbling without tripping over your own feet and all that. We didn't have to, you know, we're not concerned about these two or three kids, but the rest of them, it was just like, okay, this is brand new. Like they've never bounced the ball a day in their lives. So, I knew going in that it was a work in progress, but the very first day of tryouts, you know, I shared on my Instagram story, you know, that we was, you know, back in the lab because I was excited. You know, that's, that's stuff that brings me joy just being around the game. But then a few people commented on my story or sent me a message making light of it. Like, Oh man, y'all gonna have a long year ahead of y'all. And I'm going to admit it pissed me off like extremely bad to where I'm replying like, Hey man, don't, these are kids. Like, don't do that. They ain't never played before. Like, nah, don't do that. Like I'm going to bat for these kids because I feel like today's society is we need instant gratification. Like if your kid ain't trying to Euro or doing reverse layups or making highlights, crossing people over, then he or she is not worthy to be on the basketball court. And me coming from a small area, I had to learn the basics. We, we didn't have a school full of kids that was just athletic, throw them all on a team and just roll the balls out and go to work. We had to actually learn the game. We had to learn how to play. We had to think while we were out there because we did go up against schools that were more athletic, more talented, but we had to figure out how to outthink them. So that's the part that I enjoy about coaching these kids at Cochrane because they're so raw. They're so fresh to where you can put a mold, you can put an imprint on these kids early so that by the time they get old enough and start tapping into some of their natural athleticism, they already have the basics covered. So now you just amplify that even more. Where nowadays, parents think that, oh, my kid is five. I got to stick them with a personal trainer. I got to stick them on the best AAU team in the city and all this and that. And they don't get the basics. And I've been helping y'all for what, three years now? Three or four years? We've had a few kids that was in that AAU circle So coming into the season, I'm thinking that, oh, we're going to use this to our advantage. 
But in reality, they didn't have basic fundamental skills. You got a kid come down trying to Euro off the wrong foot, can't use his left or, or right hand effectively, and you just flipping the ball over the rim. So that, to me, shows the disparity in kids that don't have the resources versus those that do, but yet nobody's tapping into the raw talent. So I'm saying all of that because going back to my initial comment when I said I was in a dark place this week, that brought me joy. Because when I get off of work, now I have something to look forward to. And when we're in practice, I'm using that as an outlet for me. Like, I got a ball in my hands at all times. So while they're going through drills and stuff, I can't wait to see somebody mess up. I know that's the wrong thing to say, but I can't wait to see somebody mess up so I can try to demonstrate it to them. I want them to see it. So thank God I'm somewhat physically capable of, of going through some of the motions and that's my exercise for the week. You know what I'm saying? But you made a post the other day, yesterday actually, and it kind of moved me. And then, you know, Coach Keith, he chimed in, was like, man, you have no idea how much these kids mention you or talk about you during the school day and stuff like that. And it actually made me feel proud. It made me feel accomplished. Like, it gave me something to look forward to. So, it was like, I'm sitting here every day. And I'd be lying if I if I didn't tell people that there's not a moment that don't go by that I don't think about my mother. And going back to the seasons is changing, it's getting cold, it's getting this and that. But my mother had a her lung surgery in October. So now it's just like you know what I'm saying? Like my mind is all over the place and I've, I've just been screaming for some form of something to just take me away from it, take me away from it. And these kids have been my outlet. So not only am I trying my best to help them and teach them and make them fall in love with the game the way I fell in love with it, but at the same time, they're bringing me back down to reality in terms of you got to figure out how to cope with this. You got to figure out how to keep pushing, how to keep moving. And I know I've been rambling or whatever, but that was just something that I wanted to get off my chest. So the podcast itself and why I have my wife on is because what's today? Friday, Wednesday, I'm sitting here at home scrolling through my phone or whatnot. And I was on Instagram and somebody shared the link to the I Promise documentary. You know, everybody knows I'm a LeBron James fan or whatever. And I didn't know that the documentary existed. So I told you I'm bored sitting here in these walls. I was like, you know what, here, I'll look at it. Let me see what's going on. And when I tell you I stumbled up on a gym and the emotions that ran through me while I was watching it 
and I couldn't wait to share it because, you know, when I shared it on my Facebook, I'm like anybody that enjoys being around kids, educating kids, helping kids. I was like, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend watching it. Nobody liked it. Nobody commented on it. Nobody said anything. And I guess people just assume that, oh, he's a LeBron junkie. It's just another thing about LeBron. People don't want to watch it. So that's why I tagged you. You're an educator. You're a teacher. I know how passionate you are when it comes to helping kids and pushing them to succeed. So I told you, I want to watch it together. So we just finished looking at it. That's why we're recording so late. And again, I apologize for rambling, but that was my initial introduction. I felt like it was important because I wanted to put emphasis on the fact that this week I've been kind of down. Not only did the kids pick me up at Cochrane, but then watching this documentary, it was a, a pick me up and seeing the impact and the influence that adults can have on children. If you take the time to put your hands on them and help them. So I'm going to give you the floor and I just want you to express your initial thoughts or anything that transpired and went through you, whether you saw some similarities or things that you might've done different or whatever, how it made you feel when you was listening and watching this, I promise documentary and it's on YouTube, by the way. I guess without giving away the documentary for those who haven't watched it, it's realistic as an educator for 11 years now um, yeah, two old. different two different schools two different districts two different cities um an array of you know different educators that i i you know have conversations with discuss co-workers is what we see in a lot of our schools it's not a um how can i explain it it's not fiction it's not let's just make it a show that everybody can look to make the I promise school look like we're doing something. And honestly, that's what I thought it was just going to be going into it. It was just, Oh, here's where the ideas came from. This is how we put together this plan and roll it out. I didn't realize. And like you said, without spoiling it, I didn't realize that it was an actual documentary detailing the day to day goals and interactions and stuff with these kids. Now I will say this though. And again, without spoiling it, I want to put emphasis on, I was not aware of the fact that with this school, the students that go to this school are kids Lower. that are deemed behind behind. We'll to say, say that. it as a, you know, a non-educating way um, behind. I didn't know that either. I didn't know that, this school is basically a special school is what we would call it here in the district. Also a special school in terms of that the resources it's, it's almost like a whole school of intervention. So they can have different supports so they can be met at their level, but also provide a support to get them to the level that they need to be in order, you know, to show the growth. Um, Not only in and I can school, go into but outside. Of that. You're right. Um, and 
I think I think that after watching it that it really highlights what our youth is dealing with now which I feel is a lot different from when we were in school right um I think it highlights the reality of what the youth are dealing with behind education like what really um affects them from really being able to get the education you know and it highlights what how can a teacher and educator teach and have this child focus on reading and math and all these other things when there's so much other stuff going on that is overshadowing all those you think they care about it do you think that you know it's important to them at that time no and I think this documentary really highlights that and puts that in perspective for those who think oh these teachers aren't doing anything what are y'all doing y'all it should be easy you have all this blah 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 but it highlights that we have to get under those other layers before we can even tackle the reading and the the education part. Right. So I, again, I don't want to spoil the documentary, so I'm trying not to, but, um, you don't, you don't have to worry about spoiling or whatever. I mean, it, it, you know, that's why I wanted to do it tonight. We literally just finished watching it. And even though I've seen it twice, I'm still reflecting on what I observed and how just my few years of helping at Cochran opened my eyes to things that I didn't even take in consideration all this time. I'm going to pause you there because I remember the first year you tried, you know, you started helping. Um, and again, like I said yesterday on the post, like, thank you. It's not just for me, but from, you know, we see the difference in when's Mr. Harper this or coach Harper going to do this. Is he coming? I mean, kids previously, where's your husband at? Where's this and that? They, they know you, they know me, you are part of the school. But I remember the first year and after maybe like the first week of practice, you coming home being like, is this what y'all deal with all the time? Like, you know, and sometimes it takes being there, being hands on, having just a conversation with the kids to really see that. Right. Okay. You know what? I need to be here. Right. Not for myself. I mean, you know, in your aspect, yes, for yourself also, but for, you know, these kids need other people, you know, that whole, it It takes takes a village. village. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Right. And that's why. Going back to what I said in in the opening, you know, remarks that I was making, that's why I took offense to those few people that commented on my story. I mean, quite frankly, I get that, you know, hopefully I, I get that they were just kind of being like joking or whatever or whatnot. But I'm saying that's why I took it to heart because I know what these kids go through. I know what they see on a day-to-day basis and some of the the roadblocks that they have to face outside of school. So and now even, that, that I'm hands-on, I'm more mindful of that now. Whereas growing up, I told you, you know, I'm from a small area. We had smaller classrooms. We had maybe one or two disruptive kids 
but not to the point to where kids are having to be restrained or you call such a distraction to where all teaching has came to a halt. And now the kids are, you know, this is just dead time because so much attention has to go towards this child that's being disruptive. So watching the documentary and it's like, man, these kids is all over the place. I can't even imagine what it's like as an educator knowing that, okay, I put together this lesson plan and five minutes into it, it all goes out the window per se. And I think even watching this documentary, it shows the importance of with, with, with educators, with teachers, that relationship factor is huge. Being able to have a relationship with your student, with your student feeling a certain way to the where they can communicate when they're having, you know, these meltdowns or et cetera. But the relationship factor is key because you want to build that, that community within your classroom. Um, and not saying it's going to eliminate those problems because, you know, right. you're going to have those problems, but it will aid in how you um, respond to it, respond to the right. student, respond to just get them out of here. That's not because right. I mean, we like like in the documentary, if we take these kids out. How much more are they even missing? How much more are they going to be behind? What can we do to keep them in exactly. the classroom? Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like if, if y'all are listening, like I promise you, you will enjoy clicking on that link if you if you take the time to go watch it. And again, I know I come off as biased because I'm a LeBron fan or whatever, but it was like, to me, it's bigger than LeBron, but I applaud him for setting this school up the way that they done it and how the highlight is on these kids who, like you said, are behind these kids need the attention where growing up for us you put more emphasis on the kids that were brighter you put the emphasis on the kids who already knew the work knew the material the teachers gave all the attention to them where the kids that struggled were just kind of pushed to the side either you get it or you don't if you don't I'll see you again next year and I felt like once I moved here to the city and seen how big these classrooms are and how many students go to these schools, I was like, dude, as an educator, how can you touch each individual child? That's almost impossible. So it is going to be so many kids that's lost and filtered out through the back end because the teacher's like, oh, they're not going to amount to anything. They're causing so much trouble in the classroom. Who cares? Who cares? And that's why I was just like, dude, I was blown away by it because I've always had a one-on-one relationship with my teachers because of the small classrooms. I always knew she was hands-on with everyone. So, you know, real quick, just kind of talk about that. Like the, are the environments today the same as when you were growing up or 
something transpired between then and now. Teaching itself has um, changed because we have more knowledge and, you know, more research. And we're having more conversations on what our students need in it for it to be, like, student-led. I'm a special ed teacher, so I have a smaller class size in itself. I work with our very severe students. Um, I absolutely love it. But even with my students, the expectation is there. Um, the, the relationship is there. It's needed. But to answer your question, um, you have to look just like, I feel like the dynamic of teaching and educators is changing. Um, with so many conversations around, um, around equity and all these things that that has, you know, changed conversations with educators, um, and how we're approaching education and what's important. I, I am not a, um, a big, the test, the test, you know, for our kids as a parent, for our kids to be a test number pisses me off. Like I, you know, I hate that, but to, to answer your questions, teachers are, you know, taught to be able to differentiate. So teach students, put them in groups, group them up by levels, um, give each group, each level the, the support that they need. I'm not, I'm trying to talk into a term that you would understand opposed to me going in all these educational terms. Right. So I mean, you, you ain't got to dive like, I know, deep but all the I'm way not, into I'm it. Not, but I'm, I'm just not. like, and I guess let me rephrase my question and then we'll, we'll go on to the next little thing or whatever. But I, I was meaning in terms of, I see so many disruptive students or kids that have so many behavior issues to where it causes conflict in the class for the kids who actually do come to school to learn. But how do we know that those kids aren't coming to school to learn? But, but like, you know, like, like I said, maybe they don't have the desire to learn. Because they have all these other issues going on. But it could just, be home. It can be food. It can be living. It can be trauma induced. Like I get that. So let me make sure I'm I'm clearly clearly stating my question. I'm saying, okay, school starts. You're in first period. We're ten minutes in the class. Somebody got off the bus having a bad day something happened at home this child comes into the classroom got an attitude whatever so within 10 minutes of first period now the teacher has to stop because they need to get this kid under control or whatever the terminology is so i'm saying that that now has become a distraction and the kid that got off the bus, had breakfast, is in classroom, ready to learn, ready to roll, that has been interrupted. So, boom, 45 minutes to 50 minutes has passed, and first period is now over. You go to your next class. So I'm saying you just lost 40 minutes of your first period. I'm asking you, was school like that when you were growing up? In terms of behavior, I'm not talking about the direct 
correlation between what it is that you were trying to mention outside factors. And I'm just strictly speaking on what has changed in the city from the time you were in the classroom to now that you're teaching in a classroom. When at my element, and I'm, and I teach elementary. When I was in elementary school, I can't recall those issues. I can't recall kids being pulled out or, you know, kids being disrupt, disruptive or like I, it, could it have been that I was just at a very structured, organized, a good school? Could it be that the, the, the kids at that time were not dealing with as much as they're dealing with now? So bringing those and carrying in those, um, burdens, all of that. That's was the not part that issue. I was trying to like, ask. Yes. That's what I'm saying. That's the part but, I was getting to. And that's what I'm saying. I can't recall that And whether here or in your little bitty town, you know, did you see it in your school? So I mean, shout out to my it. kindergarten teacher, because I remember Miss Thomas. I know my kindergarten teacher. Ms. My Thomas. kindergarten, first, second, third grade teacher was all the same teacher. And she's the reason why I'm a teacher today on but, top of other things. But she had an, like, I, everyone always knew that I would be a teacher now, not like the medical field or whatever too, but I kind of get to do both. Uh, so, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But to answer, answer your initial question, I just think that there's so much more going on. And I think that's why we have these um, mental health providers and different counselors and different supports in the schools, opposed to so much having to be outside the schools. Um, so we can have those supports in place and be prepared for when those carry in behaviors and those carry in issues are coming in um, for the kids who need it. But I like I can't recall. But also, you know, think about just how society has changed and where kids are isolated from one another because of tablets, because of technology, because of social media, because of was it Fortnite <laughs> or whatever it is when we were younger you a whole lot younger because you a whole lot older you um but <laughs> but um what i mean what do you do when you go home we went home we went outside we put played kickball put your play clothes, on, your play right clothes back on change your shoes go outside but we were interacting with one another think about how now kids that is enough. Kids don't know how to ha- know how to have a conversation with each other right now. Without they don't know how. At each other. That's why I not tell just, them in not practice. Not just yelling at each other, but just, hey, how you doing? Like, we have to teach social, the social emotional learning part, like in this documentary, is something that in our school now is a part of our curriculum. We have a whole curriculum around social emotional learning. Because if you think about it, kids don't know how to say, hey, how you doing? If we were to take 30 minutes every day in the classroom, I want y'all to sit at this table in this circle and have a conversation with each other, get to know each other. They wouldn't know how to say it. They wouldn't know what words to say. They didn't know what questions to ask because we're all behind these screens. Think but about I mean, how much that is an impact on. That That's, that's, that's very accurate. That's, that's a very true statement. And going back to the basketball thing is like, we've been at this for, two solid weeks and there's still players on the team that don't know the other player's name. Here I am. These are a whole brand new group of kids. So I'm still trying to learn some of them. So I'm like, Hey, pass the ball to what's his name. And then they got to stop and ask them. But like, literally you have to have 
you you have to teach the social skills. You have to right. teach the team building because our kids don't know how to do it. So 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 that's the part that I was trying to get to, and then we'll we'll leave it at that because I was just saying, you know, going back to your initial question about what do I remember about school is like, and I maybe I'm a I'm a chalk it up to us just being small like we were just a small school small student body but it was like it was quiet in the classroom like literally when the teacher was teaching nobody spoke you might have had one kid that was you know being goofy or trying to be the class clown but all it took well we had the the card system that's how old i am pull it out (laughs) Five cards. First card is a warning. Second card is recess. Third card was uh, isolation. Fourth card was principal's office. Fifth card was detention. Yeah, you old. Yeah. So by the time you got to, you can't go outside at recess. Most of the times, that's when most kids started getting their act together. That was like you know nobody wanted to lose recess. Go outside, play kickball. Right. Now, and I wonder if we would have said the same thing. You can't get on this Xbox. You can't get on this PS5. You can't get on this Fortnite. You can't get on this phone. But that's Your what data I'm saying. Be cut off. It's like I, I I can distinctively remember, you know, hey, we often go on our bathroom break. Everybody go line up at the door. Nobody talked. When you're in the hallway, no the talking. And we literally walked in a straight line. Everybody went to the bathroom. You might have had to pull a few kids that was in the bathroom a little bit too long, playing in the water or whatever they was doing. But you got back in line. You walked right back to the classroom. It's been too many times that I done walked through y'all building and... What? I didn't say nothing. You look in the hallway and it's constantly, hey, stop. Get back in line. And I'm building... When you I come first, in, you when come I first in, came whoa, to whoa, visit, whoa. I ain't one, saying nothing wait recent. Minute, wait a minute. You come in our building. At the end of the day, it's dismissal. We uh, leave so, it. So they turned up. Kids is getting out of the building. All it's right. time to go. It's been a long I'll day. I'll give them the benefit hey, of the doubt. Whatever. It ain't middle day. Whatever. I am like, honestly, I'm at an amazing I done walked school. in y'all building during the school. And not only that, I I went to go pick my own kids up. That was when Peyton was in. Uh, He was at. And he was at Pitt's, uh preschool, right? Yeah, my during that time. But it was still a school building, so and it no, ain't... But though they were, that was really, they they were babies. They were like three and four years. Everybody in that school was not Peyton's age. Everybody in that school was three. It was all Head Start. They were all three, four year olds. Yeah, you be trying to come to the rescue for everybody. I'm not coming to the rescue for nobody, but I'm telling you, is so that, that's the that reason they was, was babies. Then okay, all right. Keep then, your three, right. four year olds quiet all right all right then i'll give y'all a pass whatever my bad my mistake i do say i will say i feel like another difference um going kind of off what you said but when we were younger when we was in school i feel like our parents and our teachers were more of a team i feel like that's fair that there's a lot of separation between teachers and parents and it's all what, well, what about this? What about that? Instead of really working together for the benefit of everybody. When we was in school, it was that whole village. Now look at that you, meeting they just had the other night. Well, they had to end it. They ended the meeting. 
So, so, so again. So, I mean, those are just all that you're talking about. Well, what's what you know? What is the difference between now and then? There's, there's so many factors in that. But that's what I'm saying. Like you, you solely kept it as a elementary level. But I'm saying also, and then we'll we'll move on. It's like I hear so many people, or you get on social media and you see so many fights, middle school, high school. You see the videos where kids are sitting in the classroom, the teacher's trying to teach. And the kids is in one section of the room talking, doing this and doing this. So it's like, there's no way that you're actually in there learning because it's, you, it's almost like college. What about this though? I feel, and I feel like I've said that a lot, I feel, but anyways, um, what do, what does the youth see? We were exposed to a different world and this show and that so for the the television and the social media that they see, do they have any examples to to show to be models for that? We don't have any. Like I feel like there's no examples, good examples of the counter narrative of what we should be opposed to. Don't don't you dare! Don't you even no no well, no, no sir! I mean, you set yourself no, up for it. Do you not set even. yourself up. We're not gonna go down that no, road. No, we're not gonna be. But but we're we're, we're keeping it. Right, right here, well, we're not you even know. gonna know. At least you know then. You Sorry, know. y'all. That's an inside thing between another conversation. Uh-huh. Um, about eh. <laughs> eh. that's all y'all need to know. Uh-huh. Eh. But just having a a counter narrative on, I don't have to do this or that. I can do this and turn out like this. But again, and and like I said, you know, we'll leave it alone. I was talking about Megan Stallion. <clears throat> Like um, she was actually talking about Cardi B. So all now of them. you know you got your all of them. You got Megan your, does the ah. So well, so you was whatever. wrong in all aspects. No, all I'm saying is at the end of the day, it's not their job to raise our kids. But going back to what you said, they don't have the examples. All they have is the ratchet stuff, the hood, this, the this and that. So that's all they're gonna dis, uh, display is stuff that they see. So you're absolutely right. They are influenced by negativity all the way around. So long story short, I highly recommend watching the documentary and it may give you a different perspective on what some of these inner city kids go through on a regular basis. Some of the outside factors that may impact how they learn or why testing scores are so low and stuff like that. Because oftentimes I go on social media and I read the comment section when it comes to reviews about JCPS and stuff like that. And some of those comments and stuff are just nasty and people have painted this picture and and this image. People have painted this picture and this image of just the whole school system within JCPS and it's just this dark cloud that hangs over it, not realizing some of the obstacles that these kids have to go through on a day-to-day basis. And when you start talking about elementary school kids having to watch after their siblings and take care of their siblings while the, the, the parent is working and stuff like that, it's like those are things that no child should have to experience. Like, how can you be taking care of another child when you are a child? So going back into this documentary, they highlight a lot of that stuff. And I mentioned earlier, we're approaching a year of me losing my mother. 
I'm 36 years old and I'm telling you that I have been down in the dumps at least four out of seven days every week internally. I just swallow it, keep moving, pretend like it don't happen. But I, I just drowned in some of my thoughts sometimes. And within this documentary, there was a third grader who lost a parent. And this kid comes to school and has breakdowns every now and then about losing his dad. And I'm like, if I can't handle it at 36, imagine being a third grader having to carry that moving forward. But it's like people don't even think about that. People don't even take in consideration the the long lasting impacts that it has. I mean, even our children. Periodically, Paige says something all the time. And sometimes I hate to even hear it. But at the end of the day, the child is seven. She don't know no better. She don't realize that that might trigger something or or send me off the deep end mentally when I hear it because I know that they have loving memories of my mother. And that's something that now they, you hope and pray that they hang on to it as long as they can. But it's like, they, they spent enough time around her to where you need to sneeze, go on to sneeze. I felt like I was going to sorry, man. Um, they were around her enough to where they developed a bond. They developed a relationship. They enjoyed going to her house and stuff like that. So at seven years old, she, she comes up on their minds. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, you don't even imagine what these kids could go through. You just assume that all their kids, all they think about is playing or this and that, but that's, that's far from the truth. So again, it's the I Promise documentary. As of now, I believe it's only on YouTube. It's about an hour and 45 minutes long. Man, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I'm willing to admit that I cried. Yeah, I, I did too. And it's, I mean, it hit you in another way. And like I said, it just, it's kind of an eye opener. And I think one other thing that I didn't mention earlier, I was going to, and you had to start talking, but it also just shows and, you know, kudos to, LeBron James and his, you know, his team or whomever, but Goat James or the I Promise Foundation. (laughs) But really, if you think about um, just different schools in different communities having different access to materials or to content, not so much a content, but some materials and to resources um, that can aid in their education, where you go to some of these, you know, these these bigger schools or these schools with um, more funds and you know every kid has all of these manipulatives and all these materials and all this technology and all this updated technology and updated books and updated this and that and then you go to these other schools and and a lot of times these specific schools are the ones where the students are dealing with more trauma and are dealing with a whole lot more that's um, not in the building, but outside and at home and in their communities and their environment. But yet they don't have the access to the technology, to the resources, to the supplies. And they're having to find it from this person on top of making sure all these um, outside factors are handled, but thinking about all of those things. Right. 
he just kind of highlights that also that, you know, when when our schools have the resources to provide to our students that it can make a difference. And that's why we'll see those disparities in in this school is doing this so much better. And this school isn't. Well, this school doesn't have half the stuff, not even a third of the stuff that this school has. But that's that's the American way. They Facts. they teach classism at such a early age, but people don't realize it. We've been brainwashed into believing that everybody has the same opportunity. And if your life doesn't pan out to be like this person's life, then naturally that just means that you pissed away your opportunity when that's far from the truth. These kids didn't ask to be put in these environments. It's just unfortunate that whether they have a parent that has a drug addiction or fighting their own mental demons and sickness and stuff like that. We're talking about children. So when it comes to the resources that's available to these children within public school systems, you would think that it should be universal, the same across the board. And honestly, when I moved to Lexington from Clinton, I just thought that all these different schools, you went to the school that you live closest to. I didn't have any idea. And then leaving from Lexington to here in Louisville and putting our own kids through the school system, I had no idea that you had to have a letter of recommendation. You had to fill out an application. You got some parents that drive all the way across the city just to bring their kids to a particular school because this school has quote unquote, the best resources, the best this and that. Or if you go to this school, at least you getting into a better middle school, a better high school, so on and so forth. I legit thought that you just went to the school that you live closest to. And that's far from the truth. So it's like, again, that's just my opinion. And for those that are listening, if you respectfully disagree, let me know, reach out. But again, that's just that. To me, you instill that into kids early. Oh, I go to this school, so I'm better than you. And if you listen to the documentary when they first started, what's the question that they ask? Do you feel like a failure because you go to this school? And every last one of them kids at third grade, fourth grade, knew what that felt like to feel like you're beneath your classmates. That's taught. That's instilled into them at nine years old to feel like they're, they're not smart enough. They're not good enough. And then that turns into being adults who feel like, Oh, I'm not qualified for this type of job or that type of job. So I'm a failure at life. I'm only going to have access to this much money or that much money. And it's not fair. And I'm like, dude, that's, that's the American way. I know I got all the way off topic, but that's just, I don't know. So like I said, man, y'all y'all go check that out. So real quick, what time you got over? 118. 118. Ooh, we've been rambling. I know you're tired. I know you're tired. So we going Do you do you do you want to touch this topic right now or do you want to wait? You need some backup? I don't need any backup, but is it appropriate to put this topic with the previous conversation? And you know what? You're right. You're right. 
we'll, we won't mix it up. We had a great conversation. Uh, thank you for staying up. Like I said, I wanted to watch it and immediately come to the microphone so that those thoughts were fresh so that you can reflect. And like I said, it, it helped me tremendously. And I promise you when I watched it the first time, I legit, no lie, was sitting there thinking to myself, I was like, man, I wouldn't mind becoming a teacher. I was like, is it, am I too old to be a teacher? Like, what would I have to do? We need male, we need African-American male <laughs> teachers. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm like, I'm being dead ass. Like, excuse my language. I'm being honest. Like, I was just sitting there and I was like, dude, like, knowing that, me just helping coach these kids in basketball and whether I'm doing it or not, you know, y'all kind of reassured it a little bit. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, maybe that's just them trying to say the nice, nice things to make me feel like I'm helping these kids or whatever. But I'm like to see some of them after three or four days of practice, they're actually trying to do some of the things that I've said. And that growth makes you feel a certain kind of so way. So I'm right? saying it like, you know, watching yeah. that documentary, watching the end results and knowing that, okay, we did succeed, but now we got to amp it up. We got to keep going. We got to keep pushing because people don't understand we are the key to the future. I was just going to say, think about this. You're a one male, one man coming in this built in our building think about if 50 people male and female came in and did what you're doing in some aspect it doesn't have to be basketball they don't have to be a teacher you don't have to be a teacher but you just coming in being that support but that's being what i'm saying present that's why i'm telling providing you providing a model I mean, kudos to, and I'll give them a, you know, a huge shout out to Damarian and Sewing Seats with Faith and to Anthony with Inside the Lines and their mentorship programs. But think about if we had more of those, more of those in our city, more of those in our community, more of those kind of um, organizations, those mentorships within our school system, how much of a difference would that make alone to our students? Right, right. So that's what I'm saying, like, I kind of had that sense of maybe I am important after all. Like, maybe you know, this might be my purpose. Like, I don't went to college. <laughs> Why I went to college, I still don't know. But I'm like, okay, at 36, you having these warm, fuzzy feelings about trying to teach and help these kids. And I'm like, dang, like, is it too late? But then going back to what we was just talking about, it's like, nah. Yeah, Maybe it ain't for I, me. I was going to be completely, you know, the patience definitely got to be there. And and you you just keep the mentor. You you do that part. I, <laughs> I don't need you yeah. to tell me because I already know. I am aware. I can self-reflect. And I do know that, okay, everything's smooth and everything's peachy on the good days. But then on them days where you do have the kid that got off the bus and you know, you know, for whatever reason, they had a bad day. Those are and those are the toughest days. I feel like the toughest days for me are those days when I want to reach them. I want to reach the kids. I I know the potential, 
and I can't get to them and I can't figure out why that I like I come home and as much as I try to hide it that I'm fine it it bothers me that okay I've, I've tried this way I've tried that way I've, I've done this I've I've looked at everything that I think could be wrong but I can't reach him or her or even even with not just my students because like I said I do teach a um as you know, I, I teach a special classroom, but I interact with all of our students in our building and I've gotten pulled out of my classroom or, Hey, Miss Harper, can you come down and talk to this student? He's not my student, but we have built that relationship or I get walked down the hallway all the time and kids, Hey, Miss Harper, Hey, Miss Harper. And I have no idea, you know, who said it or who is what, but they're, you know, they know who I am and I know who they are and I make it a, a purpose every day every kid that I see, Hey, have a good day. Good morning. How you doing? How's your day been? Kids waving at me, giving me hugs off the bus and everything like that. But just that day or that, that day just bothers me when I can't reach them. But then on the reverse, those days when I see the growth, just like they talked in the documentary, um, this kid was running out of the building every day or, you know, running out of the classroom every day. But then that one day that he controlled himself and he stayed in the classroom and redirected himself with the strategies that we've taught him, those days feel good. Those days feel real good. Well, kudos to you because on the day that a kid run out of the classroom on me, um, now, come on now. We we just had a good conversation. I know we're talking good about your good mentorship. I'm, telling you, about I'm you. telling you why I've realized that me being a teacher may not have been a good idea because if you want to run out the classroom, go ahead. You're going to eventually mm-hmm. turn around because you're going to be lost. You're going to be scared out there. Or if I come out, if I got to run and chase after you, because first of all, him, I ain't, I ain't chasing no kid. Man, my back and my knees please and stuff be hurting. Forgive him. If I got to chase a kid, hey. But you know what? Sometimes that kid, that kid just wants the attention. The kid just wants to be chased. The I need to bring paddling to back. That's how old I am. You said Lord, I was old. Lord, forgive him, <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> I always have to make a joke out of everything. It ain't about making a joke, you man. We can keep really go a to smile bed. on everyone's face. We can really go to bed. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just I don't know, man. It's like it's hard. I will say it's not something. You know, when kids say, oh, I want to be a teacher when I grow up. I want to be a teacher. It's it's a lot more to it because, I mean, than what really people think. I don't think – I think COVID has opened a lot of parents and a lot of people's eyes to, dang, this is what, you know. That's a whole other y'all conversation do. too. Man, I got it's so many lined conversation. up. Nah, so many people – we like, real quick, I was going to talk about – the Urban Meyer situation. I know you probably ain't familiar with that. I was going to talk about Kyrie and his vaccination status. And then I wanted to talk about the, the NBA, the Dave Chappelle. Oh, you ain't want to hit that NBA fraud. That That's a whole nother conversation <laughs> in his own self. So like you said, we ain't going to cloud it up with right. chili talk, T wheel talk fraud. <clears throat> we ain't going to do none of that. But, but the whole COVID thing is a whole nother can of worms. And here we are going into another winter and we still dealing with it. So I don't know. I don't know. But real quick, going back to the basketball thing and then we're going to close it. I feel like this episode was needed. 
because again, like I said, I was just kind of, you know, been in my feelings and everybody that knows me personally knows that basketball has always been my escape. Anytime something is bothering me, I'm upset or depressed, whatever. I'll pick up a basketball and go shoot for hours by myself. And with COVID, I haven't been able to do that. Sitting in the house, don't do nothing, body aching. Now that I got these kids back out here on this court, I'm more active. Just in a week's time, I feel the difference. I, I It may not be the reality of it, but mentally, I'm like, I feel happy. Right. And that's why I tell people, it's not about wins and losses for me in my eyes. Do I want to win? Of course. Heck yeah. I hope we go undefeated. But the reality of the situation is you're talking about kids who have never played organized sports. They may not have the the supervision at home for somebody to just work with them, whether it's 10 or 15 minutes out the day. Some of these kids might go home and don't see no adult. You don't know what these kids may face once they leave outside of those doors at school every day or practice. So I've trained myself to look at this as an escape from the real world for these kids. So again, it's not about wins and losses. I know that when those kids walked in from day one to the time that they walk out on the last day that I've done everything that I could possibly do along with you, along with coach Keith, to instill in these kids not only, you know, basic fundamental basketball skills, but how to conduct themselves in the classroom, how to be better people, how to be better leaders. And that, to me, will always outweigh wins and losses. Because if you really want to think about it, from the time I first started helping, we might have won, what, maybe one game? To the last time we played right before covid we made the playoffs. We actually won a playoff game. And I wanted to build off of that. And we lost our group of fifth graders because we didn't have a season due to COVID. So, like I said, it's all the way back to square one, starting over. We got a good group of kids. They actually listen. We don't have the behavior issues, knock on some wood somewhere. So, we're actually able to teach thus far anyway. So, Again, kudos to those kids, kudos to y'all, kudos to all the teachers and staff, JCPS. Shout out to all of y'all. Again, check out the I Promise documentary. It is on YouTube. Thank you for joining the podcast. You can go upstairs and retire now. We are out. Ass toasted, yeah. no competition. Amish toasted. Yeah. I feel so high. I feel so live. My body.